lights, camera, preaching. Hallelujah. Oh, everybody just take a deep breath for a moment. Hallelujah. Sometimes when you're in the midst of a God moment, man, it's just, it's just so amazing that whew, you just got to take a deep breath. Today I want to uh, start at least a two-sermon series on faith. And it goes right along with everything else that we've been talking about because I just want to tell you this. You want to hang around people who have great faith. You want to hang around people that have done things that you've only dreamed of doing. You want to hang around people who have an adventurous spirit for the kingdom of God because when you team up with their spirit, something happens to you. And when we walk by faith and not by sight, we begin to see God in a whole new way. A whole new uh, uh, parameter, a whole new dimension, a whole new dynamic. And that's the way that God wants us to walk. Oh, goodness. I mean, it is so exciting when we think about taking our faith and beginning to understand it better and moving in the way that God would have us to move. Let's look at Hebrews 11:6 right now, just real quickly. Hebrews 11:6 and 7, actually. We're going to read just here for a moment. When you're there, tell me I'm there. Hebrews is uh, just short of James and just after Titus. It's right in that uh, wheelhouse of amazing things that God has spoken before and after that. And Hebrews chapter 11 is what we call the faith chapter. It's where God goes through and he highlights all of those people who had incredible faith, things that they could have never accomplished on their own, but because they, choo they chose to do these things with God, they get a place in a whole chapter of the Bible. And listen, God wants us to walk that way as well. How many of you realize that the epistles of your life are, are, are still out in front of you? That there's blank pages of your life that are still yet to be written, amen? How many of you want to accomplish something amazing for the Lord? Anybody? Well, I got good news for you. The three of you are going to have a great, great encounter with God today. This is going to, this is, how many of you want to accomplish something for the Lord in your lifetime? Amen? Yeah. I figured there was more than three of you there. You just didn't grasp the question. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says in this, in verse 6 of Hebrews 11, without faith, everybody say without faith. Without faith. It is impossible. It is impossible. Keep saying it. To please him. So let me ask you this. How many of you want to please God? Ah, even the ones who don't want to accomplish anything want to please him. I love it. Hallelujah. Seriously, how many of you want to please God? I mean, I want to please God. I mean, I wake up every day and I say to God, Lord, help me be a blessing today. I want my life to matter. I want my life to count for something. And, and what are lives when they matter, when they count for something, it usually affects somebody else. And a long time ago, I read this scripture, and it said, Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and uh, that he is a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. Listen, there's something about faith that only comes in the process of desperately pursuing God. Intimately trying to find that place with him, diligently seeking him. Verse 7 says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen. 
Man, we live in an incredible day. We see so many things. We have so many uh, uh, things that can just draw us away from, from being in the place God wants us to. Everybody turn to Facebook right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and all you who are on Facebook right now, shut it off. We have so many ways to be entertained, so much technology that's in front of us. 60,000 television channels. You don't even have to have cable anymore and you can see everything anyone else sees. All through the airwaves, there are communication signals being sent that you, you've never even seen, you'll never see in your lifetime. But you know their effects because you see how it operates in people's lives. And so... The Bible says here that by faith, by faith, being divinely warned by things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, Noah prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, what, how, according to what? According to faith. See, there's things out there that, that you cannot see. God's probably put something in your heart. You can't see it, so you don't believe it. See, to, to believe and to have faith, faith is the noun, believing is the verb. We're going to look at that in a moment here. But there's so many things that are happening that can't be seen that sometimes uh, uh, because we try to walk in the senses of our flesh that we don't step out into that invisible place that God's trying to get us to. And that invisible place is where the incredible stuff of God happens. I'm just telling you right now. The stuff I never dreamed of 20 years ago that's happening now would have probably scared the, the pants off of me then, but now it's motivating me to, to do great things for God. See, faith is an amazing thing. By faith, Noah saved his entire family. By faith, Noah did something for God that, that was still talked about today. By faith, Noah saved uh, uh, an ark full of animals. And, and there could have been an ark full of people, but yet what Noah was saying sounded so bizarre that everybody looked at him like he's the craziest guy in the world. How many of you would say probably after the multiple days of rain and the water building up that people began to maybe change their thought process, but it was too late? See, faith takes you to places and things that are happening now, even though you can't see them, and God is encouraging you to walk by faith so you don't miss them. See, God is, is somewhere way out in front of us. And he's looking for us just to catch up to him. How do we catch up? By faith. How do we strengthen our faith? By diligently seeking him. We need to know what faith really is so that we can embrace it. And today I want to share some things with you that are going to help you to embrace faith at a new level. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this incredible encounter we're having with you today. Father, I thank you that and I agree with everything we sang, so much better are your ways. Help us today to increase our faith, Father. There's people in this sanctuary that have a bunch of faith, but they can even have more. There's people in this, in this house today that are challenged by the idea of faith, and they don't really understand it, and I pray they get a clear understanding 
when we're done today. But all of us, Father, have something dynamic in our lives, the destiny that you've given us that's just out in front of us. We can't see it. We can't taste it. We can't smell it. We can't touch it. We can't feel it. And our flesh doesn't understand it. But our spirit longs for it. Help us to transition from that place of having to touch something to be able to walk in it. And so, Father, today as we go through your word, I just pray that you help those things come to pass in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to Hebrews 11.1. Uh, if we're going to walk in faith, we better define it, hadn't we? We better see what the Bible really says, has to say about faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith, everybody say now faith, faith, is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. This verse tells us two major truths about faith. First, that faith is the substance of things we hope for. There is a difference, a big difference between hope and faith. Hope manifests in the mind and it sees things that it would like to have accomplished. But faith takes those things and manifests them in your heart. And that's where you can wait and trust him. Hope wants it now because it sees it in the mind. But without faith, we can't have those things that we hope for. They're two different things. But, but the Bible tells us that uh, the Greek word here for substance is hopers, uh, uh, hypostasis, and it literally means that which stands under or provides the basis for. Wow, that's, that's, that's a big word, Pastor. What does that mean? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to flesh this thing out today, and I want you to just relax, and, and you're going to see how amazing faith is. In, in Hebrews chapter 3, it's talking about Jesus. And it says, God, who at various times in verse 1 and in various ways spoke in the past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds. Mm, some good stuff here. Think about this stuff that's happening here. Who being the brightness of his glory, Jesus is the brightness of God's glory, and the express image of his person, the, the, the image of who God is, and upholding all things by the word of his power, okay, uh, uh, when he himself had purged our sins and sat down to the right hand of a majesty on high. When we read Hebrews uh, 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 11.3, we begin to see something that's very interesting. We begin to see what is the substance of who God is. See, we've, we don't see God. We've never seen God, God the Father. But we have seen him because the substance of who he is came in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. God not seen, but substance of who God was. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do, right? He says, I only say what I hear the Father say, correct? So everything that he said and did was to give us a picture of who God is. We might not have seen who God is, but we know that all things were created by God. That's a 
faith thing that we have to have. In the beginning, God created. And it says that uh, Jesus is the word, and by the word, all things were created. And so, see, we're getting to see who Jesus is and who God is. But we know there's substance in who the Father is because we saw it through His Son. There's so many things that we see that we just don't comprehend, but we've got to begin to place these things in. They're not mysterious. They just have an order to them. Now, the, uh, and, and when we look at Hebrews 1.3, we're told that Jesus is the exact representation of, the nature of who the Father is. The word nature is translated in the exact same way as substance is. It's the same Greek word. And so when we see that, that God is the, uh, Jesus Christ is the substance of who God is, we see that the meaning of God the Father is the eternal, invisible, and underlying reality of which Jesus Christ, the Son, is the visible expression of. Okay, faith is the things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. Jesus is the substance of what we have not seen of, of God himself, but we have seen because of who Jesus is. Now, one of the things that you need to understand here is that faith is a substance. Faith is real. That's why it says faith is a substance. It is a noun. And believing, which is the same as faith, that it is a verb. And we set ourselves out believing God by, uh, or, or having faith in God and believing, that's taking the noun and making it an action and moving forward. What do we mean by that? Faith is a substance. How can we place a value on the substance of what God is? Truth is, is you can't. Because faith is a commodity. Faith is a commodity like oil, it's a commodity like gold, it's a, it's a commodity like all of those things that have a value. It's a real thing, it's a substance. Oil was trading at $40 uh, uh, a barrel, a barrel is 55 gallons. We know that the substance of what comes in that barrel is oil and it's turned into gasoline and the price of that substance determines what we pay for gas. Okay, that's clear. It's a commodity. Oil is a commodity. Gold is a commodity. It's really fluctuating a lot right now. Last time I checked, it was around $1,800 an ounce. And it's been up as high as 21 and been down as low as 12 recently. But it's a commodity. There's a real purpose and a value to those things. Faith is a biblical and kingdom substance that opens the door for a believer to experience the most expensive and costly things that God can give. It opens the door for us to experience supernatural power that the flesh cannot provide. See, faith is a substance. You have to understand that faith is a commodity. Faith is, is something that we embrace it, it opens the door because it's the faith is the passageway to what God has for true believers. Faith is the, 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 the substance that we can hold on to to know that that which we hope for has a reality. I'm hoping to only pay under $2 a gallon. Well, the substance that will make that happen is the barrel staying under 40 
When the barrel goes over 40, that which I hope for will no longer take place. Gas will be over $2. Faith is the substance that when I trust God, it opens doors for something that that commodity brings for things that are not seen. Hmm. Wow. That's pretty trippy, isn't it? But that's what faith is. Faith is amazing. Take a deep breath, relax. The second faith uh, that, it, that it talks about, thing. the second thing is the evidence of things not seen. Okay, the, the, there needs to be a conviction for those things not seen, regardless of what translation you prefer. The vital point is that faith deals with things we cannot see, but faith releases and relates to the invisible. Mm, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, somebody told me that if you take an ear of corn, there's approximately 279 kernels on that. We can see that. But you can't see the full potential of that kernel because most times it's juicy, it's sweet, it's delicious, and you don't give it a chance to, to just look at it and think. There's nothing I like more in August than thick steak tomato sandwiches with as many ears of corn that I can eat till my mustache stinks like butter. Amen? It's the thing that wants to make me shave off my mustache is corn on the cob. 279 kernels on an ear of corn. That's on average. Okay, so I know some of you are already thinking beyond. How can he know that? I, I, I don't. I didn't count one today. I'm just going off facts and figures. But when we look at that ear of corn, we, we don't look at its full potential, do we? Look at your neighbor. Because when you look at your neighbor, what you see is all the things that you've heard about them, all the times you've talked with them, the things you don't like about them, the reasons you want to hang out with them, all of those type things, those are all in your internal being of, of who somebody is. But what you fail to see is only, that can only be seen by faith that your neighbor has the mo most incredible destiny in God that you could ever imagine. And if you could see the destiny inside of them, you would treat them differently. See, faith challenges us to treat life differently. We can no longer live it just for everything that we get from it. Faith challenges us to live beyond what we get to what we're able to give it. You will never be satisfied in life when you just try to take something out of it. Satisfaction in life only comes from giving something back to it. And when we operate things by faith, we can give things that we have no clue what's inside of us that we're able to give. 279 kernels on an ear of corn. The, the, and if you were to strip them off, oh, first of all, how many of you know there's two ears of corn basically on a stalk? Do you guys ever just stare at that? Tammy and I like to pull off on the side of the road and just watch the harvest happen. Now all we're going to do, I have a canopy and lawn chairs and a table that I'm going to sit in my backyard when the soybean and the corn harvest hits, and we're going to have a harvest party. That's a harvest party. <laughs> so there's 279 kernels on this, on this ear of corn. There's two stalks. So if you were to take those to that one stalk, take both ears off that have 279 kernels on it, you would have 558 kernels. 
If you planted those, you would have a stalk that come off of each of those, and they would have two ears. You'd have 1,116 ears, which would produce 311,364 kernels of corn to be planted. See, that's what faith does. Faith dares you to think outside of the boundaries. Faith dares you to, to, to think outside of the potential of that one ear of corn. We just mow it down and chuck it into the garbage so we can get the next one. Well, that's what flesh does. Flesh devours the things that God has given us as a blessing and doesn't turn it into something for someone else. The flesh is needy. It's demanding. Faith can only be in that place where we operate into the de where the destiny of God is. 311,000. 364, 311,364 kernels of corn to come off of ultimately one stock. I could take that on and on and on and on. See, God's amazingly smart. He knew that if we were going to continue to eat, he had to make seed out of everything we consumed so we could consume more of it. See, that's what faith is. Faith is knowing that God has developed something so incredible for us that we can't see that we have to diligently seek him to find that place of our reward. Faith is amazing. Faith is incredible. If you look at verse 11 or Hebrews 11:3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which were visible. Come on, somebody. In the NLT, put that up, it says, By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see didn't come from anything that can be seen. That's incredible when you think about that. God created all of this out of nothing. It's incredible. That, uh, uh, but one of the things we have to understand is, is that our senses connect us to the visible world, to what is seen. That's why we have them. We learn about them in elementary school, don't we? Those things we touch, see, feel, taste, smell, those types of things. Those things connect us to the visible world, but faith takes us behind the visible to the invisible, to the underlying reality by which the whole universe was formed. The reality was formed. This was formed out of the word of God. Put those two pictures up. First picture first. I want to give you an example of this. Okay? I told you a couple years ago that we were planning this, this huge surge of our schools. And that we were believing that we were going to uh, start 100 schools in, in seven different nations. And uh, in January of that year, that's what my office looked like. And I was sitting at my desk looking at this empty space, at things I can't see. I was saying, Father, you, you know, we need 100 projectors, 100 hard drives we need hundreds of thousands of everything, Father, for this project. But when I look with my natural eyes, my physical senses, there's nothing there. Nothing there. And by faith, I said, Father, I have to believe in what I don't see and know that this is your project. I don't know how you're going to do it, 
but ultimately you're going to do it. And so the next picture shows over the next six months, this is what happened. Everything that I couldn't see at that time in January is now here. This picture was taken May 6th of 2019. I prayed that prayer somewhere in, July, in January of 2019. Not one projector. What you see there is thousands of dollars of faith. Had no idea where that would come from. People came out of the woodwork. I didn't know they were going to do it. I couldn't see them writing a check. People I had acquaintances with were dropping off $2,500 checks for this project. Why? Because God saw it ahead of me. I just needed to have faith. And knowing that I might not be able to see those things that he's going to do for us, but I know that he's going to do it because I can trust him. I heard his voice. He gave me the command to do this which I was going to do, and then he was going to have to supply it. And I had to believe it by faith. So at one time you have an empty room because your senses don't see it, and at another time you get to see God. This is God. This is seeing God. This is what happens when you move by faith. Faith relates to two eternal invisible realities, to God himself and to his word. And you build your faith through his word and you apply it to where he takes you and then you begin to see how, how it ends up working. In scripture, faith is related solely and exclusively to these two realities. We cannot see them uh, with the natural eye, but they are to God. The reality of faith is to God and to God's word. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. This is what the apostle Paul said. I mean, this guy's doing it. This guy's out making it happen. This guy is, is totally walking his whole life by faith after Acts chapter 8 and 9. He began to believe and to see God in a whole different way. He says this, Paul uh, brought out the opposition between faith and sight. And he said in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. For if we walk by faith, we, if we walk by sight, we don't need faith. And if we walk by faith, we don't need sight. Each one excludes the other. You know, this is contrary to the natural way we think. Because the world says what? Seeing is what? Seeing it. I'll believe that when I... See? Faith doesn't allow that. See, faith says... You need to believe first, and then you will see it. Totally contrary. It, this is like one of those, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first thing. There's certain things that, in, in the way the kingdom operates, that's different from the way the world operates. Amen? That's why God says we're just sojourners passing by. This is contrary to the way of our natural thinking. The world says seeing is believing, but the Bible reverses the order. We must believe first and then we will see. Let's look at a couple of examples of how that looks. Let's look in Psalm 27. Let's look at, at David here. David had many, many things going on in his life, and, and I could just spend the, the, the next several weeks talking about the life of David. But in Psalm 27, 13, David says this, I would have lost heart, okay? 
Here's Saul chasing him down 10 years in the wilderness, fighting for his life, all because God gave him a destiny. How many of you realize that many times those of us who have a destiny, we quit way before we get to see it come to pass because it's just not easy to get there. Amen. You know, God has to put you through the stages of development that he puts you through because he needs you to be everything that you can be when your opportunity finally gets there. Crickets. The stuff we go through is, is what builds who we are. And this is what David says. I don't know what cave he was in hiding from Saul. I don't know where he was at at this particular moment. I should have researched it a little better. But he said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed. Mm. He would have lost heart unless he believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. See, what, he would have lost heart if he wouldn't have had faith. See, his faith is, is, is brought into the verb by believing that he would see the goodness of God. He knew God was amazing. And no matter all the challenges that he was facing, he could face them believing by faith that he would see the goodness of God, not in heaven, but in the land of the living. What happened first? He believed. And then what happened after that? He saw God's hand of protection. How many times did he see God's hand of protection? Turn with me now to uh, Hebrews eleven twenty seven. 27. So let me ask you this. What came first, believing or seeing? What came first, believing or seeing? That's just the way faith is. I mean, we... We have to have faith in the substance. Faith is a substance. We have to have faith in, in what we're hoping for. In other words, we, we have to believe first before we see it come, come to pass. And Hebrews 11, 7, but by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. We're talking about Moses here. Moses had no idea what it was going to look like when God said, you go confront Pharaoh. But by faith, he went out to confront Pharaoh. Why? Because all of the, uh, of the Israelite slaves were depending on what he was going to do. He had a choice to make. He could have walked away from this destiny because it was just too... Uh, 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 far beyond what he could see he knew pharaoh he lived there for all those years he knew he had the power to squash him like a bug but he said that he he forsook egypt not fearing the wrath of pharaoh for he endured seeing as into the invisible god said to do it so i'm going to do it what happened god did amazing things and what happened out of that the the, the israelites were freed and what happened after that? They got to the place to where they were dancing and singing and partying, and they got to the Red Sea, and here came the king's wrath. Here came the chariots, the horses, the, the soldiers, the arrows, because Pharaoh said, don't let them get away, destroy them. Now, where's Moses? He's at the place to where 
the wrath of the king is in, 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 uh, upon him, but he endured because he saw the invisible. He saw that the Red Sea would part and opened up. Who does that? Who does that? See, my God, everybody say that, my God. That's it. And you can say hashtag my God, I don't care what you do, just say my God. See, faith brings you to a place where you say, my God, my God, I can't believe you did that. My God did. And then you get confident. My God did that. And so Moses is sitting at the edge of the Red Sea, knowing what just happened in the release of them. And he said, my God is the same yesterday, today and forever. Right. And he said, well, my God's not going to leave us to die here. So he said, OK, think quick, part Red Sea. I'd like to have been in that. Not only did the sea part, but the land, uh, wind came and dried the, the sea bottom so they could get across. I would just love to see the fish that were hanging out on the side of each wall going, dude. And one of the fish said, my God. Same thing we do. And, and all of these people, hundreds of thousands of them, passed through the Red Sea. And when they got to the other side, God said, okay, this is done. And he shut the walls of the water and destroyed Pharaoh's army. Wow. You don't think that didn't take faith. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing what was unseen before him. Nobody in his lifetime had seen what Moses was about to see. His visible circumstances at the time could have given him, couldn't have given him any hope or encouragement. How many times are we there? The visible circumstances of our life are such that we don't see any visible encouragement or hope. But in spite of all that was against him, he endured, hallelujah, because he was able to see the unseen. How did he do this? By faith. By faith he began to see because faith enables us to see the unseen and thus enables us to endure. See, we can endure things because although we don't see them, we trust God is in the midst of them. See, that's what faith does. And the more we practice our faith, the more we trust him. The more we trust him, the more he trusts us. You know, God gives you a little, wants to see what you're going to do with it before he can give you more. He's enabling you with, with something to see what you're going to do with it. Turn with me to John chapter 11. You know, isn't it interesting that faith gives us hope? That hope enables us to endure, but our flesh gives us nothing. When we're in the midst of garbage, and we're just in that place where you flip through your checkbook a hundred times to see if there's an error. Or you, you flip through something to see if something else could happen. When you, when you looked at your relationship and you felt like there was nothing you could do to see it be restored and you were hopeless. 
And when you're hopeless, I'm going to tell you what happens. Your endurance goes down the drain. When you have no hope, you are so wore out, stressed out, anxiety-filled in your, in your flesh. But when you walk by faith, something different occurs. Listen to this. Here's, uh, oh, you know what, Maddie? I want to go back a few uh, verses here. I'm going to actually turn to my Bible. I asked you guys to do that. I'm not just going to read from the screen. I love reading from the screen. So nice. Verse 38 of, of John 11 says this. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against it. And Jesus said this, take away the stone. Why do I think he said that? Because I think he had confidence in what was going to take place. Sometimes we sheepishly walk into things and we just don't have the confidence and we look unconfident, we act unconfident, and we sound unconfident. And the enemy can play on that. But Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, my brother has been dead for days. Seriously? My brother's been dead for days, and you want us to roll away the stone? And Jesus said, hey, Mary, let me introduce myself to you. I'm God. It's nice to meet you. And what I'm going to do, I don't need your help or your discouragement, so just step aside and watch what happens. Lord, by the time there's a stench, for he's been dead for four days, and Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would what? Believe that you would what? See the glory of God. Folks, faith brings us into that place to where we get to see the glory of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why? Because he knows that if you understand that Walking out in faith means is that you're trusting God and his word. When you have those two values, then he's going to show you stuff that's going to blow your mind. That's going to put you in a place to where you've never been before. What Jesus asked of Martha, he asked of all of us who desire to see his glory. We must believe that we will see. Mm. We do not see first, then believe. We believe first, and then, as a result of believing, we see. Faith comes before sight. Turn with me to 2 Kings. Second Kings 6. Faith comes before seeing. The kids will probably be over here any minute, so just receive them. Now the king of Syria, in verse 8, was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him. And he was watchful there, not just once, but twice. Or not just once or twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which one of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, he was thinking that I'm making this plan, and then somebody's taking this plan out and giving it to the enemy. 
Mm, what he didn't understand was is that he was doing something against God's people and God was his enemy and God was showing these people. And, at, and one of his servants said, hey, none of my business. Uh, you know, uh, none, none, none of us are doing it, my Lord. But, O king, but Elijah the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Sometimes only speaking in the spirit can put you in the right place of receiving what's happening in the Bible. He's, say, he's, he, he's sharing these things with his wife. Honey, tomorrow is what we're going to do. We're going to go and squash the Israelites. We're going to do it this way. And God is like, oh, really? Okay, well, let me go tell Elijah. Do you realize that's how much God cares for you? Do you realize that in the midst of destruction and despair, God's listening to the enemy on how he wants to destroy you? And if you'll just have faith, if you'll just, what does the Bible say? Who's a vindicator of the righteous? Yeah, okay, well, just for those of you who haven't read that scripture, God is a vindicator of the righteous. He's the one who vindicates us. So he, and, and so he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him saying, surely he's in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night. They snuck up on him and surrounded the city. And when the servant of Elijah rose... When the servant of the man of God arose early, he went out and there was an army surrounding the city with horses. Wow, I'm just minding my own business. I got up, I'm going out to see the sun, I'm wiping the sleepies out of my eyes. I look up, dude, there is a massive enemy staring me in the face. See, Elijah knows what, he, he knows what God can do, right? Elijah's aware of, He's getting all this download from, from God. And it says that, and when the servant saw it surrounded, and the servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And so he answered, he said, do not fear. And he said, yeah, right. Did Come out here and look again. He said, don't fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So he went out. He looked around the corner, looked in the backyard, looked in the side yard, looked in heavenly places. He looked all over, and he's like, Elisha, you've lost your mind. Look at the people that are out there in front of us. And Elisha shook his head, and he prayed. And he said, Lord, I pray you open his eyes that he may see. Which eyes was Elisha wanting his, his servant to see with the eyes of his spirit, the eyes of his heart, because see, that's the unseen world God plays in. And for us to play in that world, we have to have faith. Guys, listen, God is amazing. He's incredible. And, and, and when we play by our senses, we always lose. But when we play in the spirit, we can't be defeated. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, I love the words, the mountain was full of horses 
and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Ooh, do you think Elisha is more special than you are? I don't think so. And I think that sometimes when you're in the midst of a fight, you have no clue who's standing with you in the midst of that battle, so you cower back. We don't have to shrink back. God's called us to stand strong in the midst of our adversity because we are people of the king. Now, one of the things that you have to understand is, is it's good to hang around with somebody who's got great faith. The servant is glad that he got to see that, what only Elisha saw. But for Elisha, it wasn't enough. He had to impart that unto his servant as well so that he could see. Listen, although there's a personal element to faith, it grows the deepest and finds its strongest manifestation in the place of a community. Why do you think the enemy is trying to shut down every church across America? Because he's trying to do something dastardly across our country. And if he can keep you from meeting with those who are going to strengthen you, he's getting a free pass. And we have to be like Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings when he, he told that evil spirit, he said, you shall not pass. <laughs> and what happened? All the other little hobbits and <laughs> bobbits and things and hairy guys with big feet, they ran into a place of safety because of somebody's faith to stand against something that looks impossible. You shall not pass. There's times when you need to stand in the place that you are in the battle where the enemy is raging the most against you and you need to dig deep inside of yourself and get a holy fire that says, you shall not pass. Who does the enemy think he's dealing with? You're a child of the Most High God and by faith you possess everything that you need for your warfare. Mm, come on now. Faith comes the best in a community. Did Jesus call one disciple? No. How many did he call? Twelve. And the twelve morphed into seventy. And the seventy morphed into one twenty. And the one twenty have morphed into a billion believers across the world. Why? Because when we walk by faith, and not by sight, we begin to see the incredible things that God can do for us. Would you stand with me? Faith enables us to see the unseen, and thus it enables us to endure. Worship services like we had today, where you open the gate of your heart and gave God the password and you open the gates, and you believe that he came in, you're walking differently than when you, you're leaving differently than when you walked into this place. Walk like a believer. Talk like a warrior. Believe like you have never believed in before. Have faith that the things that you cannot see are the things that are going to be your ultimate destiny. We serve a God. How can you have faith to believe in heaven? You've not seen it, but yet we have faith to believe in it. Walk like you're believing with that kind of faith.
You didn't see Jesus on the cross, but you know he died for you, and by faith you apprehended what he did for you. Now stop stopping there and keep apprehending for what's going to move you forward into your ultimate destiny. I don't know about you, but I believe that faith is the password to take us into a whole nother destiny. I'm telling you what, I know that what's in store for my life is going to blow my mind 15 years from now. Totally blow my mind. What's blowing your mind? Stress, anxiety, fear, depression, discouragement. Is that blowing you up? No, no, you're a believer. Walk by faith. Allow God to win that battle that you're facing and get on with it. Get on with it and move to the next place that God has in store for you. Mm. Folks, we serve an amazing God. And when we read the scripture who says he's able to do an exceedingly and abundantly more than we can imagine, that's faith. And I believe in that kind of God. How about you? Do you believe? Isn't that what Jesus said? You know, do you believe? I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe that? I believe. I believe. I believe with everything that's within me. And who he is. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you today. We live in times, Father, where the enemy is just barking like the abominable snowman, but you know, in the same way, he ain't got no teeth either. He's just barking and barking, and people are cowering under the bark. Help us to see the toothless wonder that is barking at us and let us stand strong and take authority by faith and move into those places of victory that we could not see by our smell, taste, touch, feel, all of those things of our human senses. Father, enable us to walk like true children of God. Enable us to walk like Moses, who knew that Pharaoh was a, 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 an incredible opponent, but he knew you were more. Father, we have incredible opponents in our life, but you're more. Father, move us out of those places to where we're discouraged by our finances because the enemy has stole from us. Help us to know that you're more. Help us to move into those places to where we see uh, broken relationships and we know that you are more and you will allow us to move into a place of victory. Today, Jesus, I pray in part one of this message that you would prepare us for the rest that you have for us. And Father, I just give you praise today in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise offering. He is worthy. Go in peace and may God's faith challenge you this week.